Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Rootless Living Podcast in episode number 15. I'm your host, Damien Ross, and I'm also the publisher of a new digital nomad magazine called Rootless Living. I don't know if you're like me, that you're still a little bit old school. I still like holding my magazines in hand and reading that way. And believe it or not, the Rootless Living does have a print edition. You can head over to rootlessliving.com forward slash print, and I'll start mailing it to you next issue. On this episode, I chat with Jason and Holly, aka the Marvelous Miners, where we're going to be finding out if it's possible to live full-time in a Class C while traveling with a two-year-old. Let's get into the episode. All right. Well, Jason, Holly, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. No problem. Now, where are you guys in the world right now? We are in Jacksonville, Florida at a campground uh, campground called Hannah Park Campground. Nice. What's the weather? It's like a city park. It's actually a a little chilly, but the sun comes out. You know, if you're standing in the sun, it's nice. Nice. Uh, in the shade, it's a little chilly. Gotcha. What's a little chilly? But we're not chilly? complaining. Um, probably 62, 60, something like that. So if you're from Arizona, you're saying it's freezing there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Funny story, though. We actually left Arizona because that was like our getaway for the winter. And we left Arizona because we almost got snowed on. So like we got so cold. Oh, we're wow. like, let's, let's just go over to Florida. So here we are. Yeah. That's awesome. So do you guys consider yeah. yourself uh, full-timers or part-timers? Oh, we are full-time, full-time RVers, yeah. <laughs> and and who's all traveling with you guys? So we have, uh, of course, me and Jason, and then we have our dog, Remy. She's five, and then we have Jack, our two-and-a-half-year-old. I'm going to laugh and say that I love that the dog came first. Right? <laughs> <laughs> she's, a, she's a nice one right now. <laughs> there you go. I, I'm an only child. I think my parents would have introduced the pets as well first. <laughs> Very yeah. cute. But you said, well, in, in your defense, though, the dog's how old? She's five. Yes, yeah, so you're going by age. Yeah. It makes total sense. I get it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I see her right now. So that's, that's another reason. Jack's napping. So. <laughs> how cool. And um, what are you guys currently living in while traveling? We live so, in a 33-foot uh, Class C. So it's a Jayco Greyhawk. You know, I'm trying to rack my brain. I think you might be my first Class C guest. This is cool. Yeah, oh, yeah. Right. yeah it's about as big as a Class C gets. Um, but mm-hmm. we really enjoy it. Um, yeah, it's 33 feet. And just for the, the people that don't know, in, in regards to Class A and Class C, what's the big difference that classifies something as a Class C as opposed to just being, you know, a motorhome? Um, let me look that up real quick. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I really know either. I just think it's, is it the bunk above head? Is that what it is? I've actually seen, so there's, I'm going to throw a curveball at you. There's a, okay. there's a super C. So there's a C, a super C and a class A and super C and C's can both have the overhead bunk. Um, but I think that the class A is like, it's designed all in one on one chassis. Whereas the class C is like a chassis that they put a box on top of. So like ours is like a van chassis gotcha. that a box is like put on top of. So I think that's the difference, but don't quote me on it. Yeah. I don't really know either. I was thinking maybe is it you guys, your engine's in the front, right? Yeah. And I think yeah. most diesel pushers, I think the engine is in the back too. So that might be something to do with class A versus class C. Who knows? At six foot seven, class C's and class A's, like really expensive class A's might've made sense, but yeah. it just, it wasn't something that made sense for me. So yeah. when did traveling uh, become part of your daily life? Not just vacations, but like where you said, nope, we're going to be in this and we're going to do it every day and be full time. We started on March 17th, I believe is the exact date. Um, last year so 2019 
Nice. Is that St. Patrick's Day? I'm not like terrible oh with my. Oh my gosh! I think it might be. <laughs> I'm, I'm so bad off, at that. I think you guys took off on St. Patty's Day. I'm not 100, percent but that's, that's what, I think I would be. I've got some Irish in me. Um, so, that, so you're relatively new to it. You're coming up on a year, which is really cool. I love getting people yeah. on that are still fresh into this lifestyle, as opposed mm-hmm. to people that have been doing it for a while and a little jaded. Let's talk about what your life looked like before St. Patty's Day, 2019. What were you guys doing? Where were you living? Let's get into all of that. So we used to live in Houston, Texas, in that area. We lived more north in Conroe, and uh, we just lived in a little suburb right outside of Houston. Nice. Did you guys just uh, rent, own? Yeah, yeah, we owned the house. So that was our first house we ever bought. Um, in both of our lives we've never bought a house and that was that was the first one and when we got into that house and then we got out of it <laughs> so you guys did end up selling it you're not renting it out or having it sit there no. while you're gone gotcha yeah we don't own it at all we only lived there for two years and then yeah we, we sold it and then moved into our class b so what were you guys doing for work then and and if it's different then now we can talk about that later but what did you guys do for work then we did the same thing uh, that we do now. So I work in digital healthcare. Um, so I'm able to do that as long as I have a reliable internet connection. It's kind of something that, that sparked the idea because, you know, I think a lot of people when they're thinking about going full-time or doing more traveling, a lot of it is like, how we, how do we support that financially? That was the kind of easy part for us that, you know, my job just went from my office in my house to like my little makeshift office in our RV. Did you have any pushback at all from the employer when you were talking about going or did you keep it secret? You know, it's, it's a funny, kind of a funny story. So I, I, uh, I wasn't quite sure how to handle that. Um, I didn't want them to say no because we were already so down the, like going on the path that it would have crushed us. So I put a couple of months together of doing it on the road to show them that I was successful. Um, and then I, when I, it's funny when I approached my, my boss about it, he, he was like, Oh, I, I want to do that too. I want to <laughs> go RVing. You know, it's like, it was a really cool experience. It worked out really well. And then from the day you guys left, March 2019, how much time was there where you were really like thinking about it and talking about it? When did the idea kind of hit you, if you remember? It was only about a month. So we decided we wanted to do that. And then every day in that month, we were checking different uh, travel trailers, fifth wheels, all the different kinds. So it was it was very short, a month, one month. I think it's funny. The people that I talked to that have been doing it for a while, their process was longer than Mm -hmm. the people that are doing it now. And I think maybe it was just there was more variables back then. You really had to think through and figure out. Or now, because like you're saying, our biggest struggle is internet. It's not as kind of difficult. Yeah. But I think a month is the shortest. The month is the shortest. You You guys really pulled pulled the trigger on that one. I'll give you guys credit for that. That's pretty quick. Yeah. It it moved fast. But it all just kind of like we don't. We don't like rush or try to force things, but it just played into to place that quickly. So like the idea came up, we looked at RVs and we found one, our house went in the market, we got an offer, you know, it's just all of those pieces all fit into the puzzle that made it happen pretty quickly. So we just kind of were along for the ride almost. So this is a question that obviously, if you've been around, you'll hear people ask like, should I get a fifth wheel or should I get a class A? Those are the two. What led you guys to a class C and how was that process for you guys to find what you consider, you know, the perfect vehicle for you and your family? We weren't quite sure if it was going to be something for us. 
like the lifestyle. So Holly and I, I've never, I slept in a, in a RV before, but she's never been, she had never been in one in that point. So um, for us, it was something that was like kind of a turnkey experience. We didn't have a tow car at first. We got rid of all of our cars and everything that we owned. Um, so we wanted something that was like turnkey. We didn't have to worry about buying a truck to fit with it or, you know, just find like the perfect rig. And it was, we didn't want to invest a ton of money into it. So now looking back, we have different thoughts on that. Like a Class C is wonderful for maybe like a, a weekend, like kind of, or a long trip, part-time, full-time people. But really, I think for us, at least the, the fifth wheel seems to be kind of a, an easy choice at this point. I think it's really important too, because I think a lot of people get hung up when they're out on the road and then they start to, you know, realize what their life really needs to look like when they're out there full time and, and start thinking about making some changes. It happens to a lot of people. It's not a bad thing. And you really don't know until you know, like you really do have to, but I think getting out there with, you know, kind of the easiest, not putting stumbling blocks, like trying to find the truck and then finding the fifth wheel, it is a little bit more of a process and it can slow down your launch date. So, you know, going with what you have is great. And then, like you said, which is interesting, if let's say it didn't work out and you went back to Bricks and Sticks, you still have a really nice like weekend venture kind of rig if you kept it, mm-hmm. which is really cool. Yeah. And you know, something that helped me um, and people that are listening to this, I hope they get something from it, but you're never going to find the rig that's absolutely perfect for you. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's always something that could be better elsewhere, but it's really just making that decision of what best fits you then and just doing it. And then, like you said, once you get on the road, it's all clear, you know, like what what your next step if, is, if there is a next step, um, but really just making a choice, the best choice you can at that moment and just getting out there and doing it. That's the hardest thing. Yeah, I think there's an interesting business model out there. I think, you know, again, just because of my height, my height really restricted what was available, but I'd love to buy an empty shell. You know what I mean? Like, but not have it be old or that I would have to like go through the remodel process. So it's really like, there isn't that available yet to your point where it's like to figure it out these things are made for people going on weekend vacations. Let's be honest, even the ones that say they're for full timing Mm. and it would be nice just to have an empty shell and say, okay, I want to put a desk over there and I want to put the TV over here. It just, there would be something different for a full timer for sure. So just get out there. I I love it. I think it's really important. Now without getting to exact details, is this lifestyle costing you less or more than living outside of Houston? That was a big surprise. And we won't get into like super details. Um, but it is, it can be less or it can be the same as what we had with a decent, you know, a decent house, like a decent mortgage for a house. Um, that's the first thing that everybody says when I tell them I'm a full-time RVer. They're like, man, you must be just saving like tons of cash. Like it's going to be fantastic. And, and we do save, but um, not at the rate that we thought we would. So it's, and I don't mean that to turn that off to people, but it is like the real, the real, as, a real aspect of doing this. Um, RV parks can be you know, $1,000 a month, depending upon where you're at on the cheap side sometimes. It kind of, it kind of fluctuates, to be honest. Like, we, we really like Colorado, but Colorado is really expensive, right? So we're going to spend some more money in Colorado, whereas Arizona is a little cheaper, was a little cheaper for us. Yeah, I think it also has to do where you come from. We've talked about that a lot on the show. If someone's leaving Manhattan and going mm-hmm. RVing, the, the lifestyle can be a lot cheaper. But if you're, sure. you know, if you're in a small town, especially Texas is pretty affordable as it is. It's one of those things. But to your point, there isn't a lifestyle where you can really control the variables like you can 
where, you, you know, if it's a rough month, you can't be like, Hey, I want to pay less on my mortgage this month. <laughs> if your payment's your payment, there's nothing you can do where you can say, okay, we're going to go to Arizona or New Mexico where it's $8 a That's night true. in a state park and we'll hang out there for a while. Yeah. yeah or yeah. boondock, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Find some BLM land and just boondock for however long, you know, until you get out of that period. Are you guys set up for solar? Can you do a ton of boondocking? We can, mm-hmm. we have, we don't, we have the ability to put solar on pretty much just like anybody else, but um, we don't now. So our plans are to do minimal improvements to the rig we have now with the thoughts of ordering uh, a fifth wheel in the near future. That's really smart. Yeah, I mean, that's what's great too about our rigs. You know, with a decent generator, you can stay out boondocking for a long time as it is anyways. And it's almost like being at a, at a park, which is nice. Well, let's let's talk, you know, good transition into your your lifestyle now. What does your travel schedule look like? What have you guys been doing in the last year? How long are your stays and how many states have you done? Just stuff like that. Give me the rundown. Oh, goodness. How many states have we done? Um, I don't even know how many states we've done. We we started in Texas, went to Arkansas, and then we went way over into Florida and then came all the way back and went to Colorado. So I don't, I don't know the exact number, but um, we've been just kind of like in the lower – southern part of the United States but our our schedule is kind of I don't know we don't really have a schedule we just kind of go with with the wind so wherever it kind of blows us or like if we meet up with somebody and they're going this way then maybe we'll just follow them that way and if they're going to stay a month then maybe we'll just stay a month or you know if we don't really like you know this area then we'll stay here for a week and then we'll move somewhere else so it's kind of just whatever we feel like I like it. Are you guys, I hear a lot of people chasing weather. I mean, I know you talked about it getting a little cold in Arizona. Is that something you guys, you know, kind of do? Do you try to make sure not to stay in anything too cold or too hot? Yeah. um, I mean, there's always that, you've heard it, I'm sure, the chasing 70. So I think that's really ideal. Our rig isn't set up for really cold weather and and it doesn't do really well in hot weather. So we try to like stick in that, um, stick in that temperature range if we can. Otherwise, you know, we just do the best with what we have and we just deal with the weather. <laughs> no doubt. And let's talk a really quick about work. I know, Jason, you said you have the same job you did before. What have been some of the challenges while working on the road, let's say besides internet, because I think we all kind of struggle with that. But have there been any yeah. things you didn't expect? Sure. Um, space. Uh, space. We're a little bit limited on space. So I hold uh, and host um, video conferences from RRV. So trying to find like a little nook that I can get in where I can really stay focused, especially with a two-year-old, um, has been pretty challenging. Um, it's not to say you can't do it, but it, it's definitely been a challenge. Yeah, the guests I had on recently, they were in a fifth wheel with a like a little bunk room. And when the boys are out of the bunk room, he goes in. And then he has a quiet little space to work. And I thought, that's really interesting. I didn't really think about that you know, and I think it's the fun part. You'll, you'll kind of start figuring out what works best. Um, let's see what else. Are you guys documenting your adventures at all? I mean, I don't want to always assume that someone is, but are you guys doing that and putting it out, whether Instagram, YouTube, Facebook? Yes, definitely. So we have an Instagram that I've documented since we left. Um, so it's the Marvelous Miners. And then we're actually in the works of starting a YouTube channel. There's not anything on there yet, but we're working on it. So 
those are the the two places that we're documenting it. And what are the goals around documenting if you have any? Um, well, the goal is to share our story with everyone, um, to inspire others who feel like they're a little curious or maybe a little like interested, but we we want to inspire others to, you know, just, uh, I'm sorry, let me try and say that again. Sure. <laughs> I'm a little, I'm sorry, I'm just like a little nervous, so like, ah, I don't know what to say. No, it's totally fine. <laughs> so, Okay, so the point of documenting all this is to inspire others um, if they're a little curious or maybe like a little worried or have questions about the lifestyle, then I hope that our pictures and our adventures and, you know, um, our captions or whatever help inspire them and give them the courage to maybe push a little outside of that comfort zone and try something new. Yeah. And I love just the transparency in it in the sense too that, you know, if you're doing it to just try to encourage others and then obviously document your adventures, but there's a lot of people with a, you know, let's say a two-year-old and they're mm-hmm. debating whether that makes sense to, you know, terrible twos. Do you really start traveling the country with a toddler? And, and so to see other people doing it. And that's why I really battle with people sometimes because they might say, well, I'm not this YouTuber. And, you know, I don't do all these exciting, adventurous things that they do. Not everybody wants to do all these crazy things. Sometimes it's just documenting the life just for that to encourage people that might have the exact similar story where, you know, it's we have a remote opportunity. We have a small child. Does it make sense? Uh, We love our dog more than our child. We mentioned him first. So it's it's a real kind of encouragement. And I do. It's funny. I I battle this with people when there are people like, oh, who would ever want to watch us? First, that child is going to want to watch this. Like, that's the thing I get excited about. You know, like, I would love to watch what my parents or even my grandparents were doing. Like, that's what's really cool. So if you just Mm. let it go up there and not worry about it, let it stay for a while, people will be stoked on it. And, you know, something that I heard somebody, I don't know, it was a book or something that I, I read or listened to, is that your journey is different from everybody else's it's kind of like if the author jk rowling um never made the harry potter books you know there's so many other authors out there but if she never would have made those we would have never heard that story so it's you've got your own unique mark on your story and other people want to see that yeah as long as you're being you that's what makes you unique you know what i mean not to be too corny when i do see other people where you can tell oh my gosh they're trying to be like so-and-so's channel because so-and-so's mm-hmm. channel is yeah. really popular. Mm. That's where I think people lose who they are. I mean, I almost want to leave in, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you very much, Holly, to leave in your little, like, I got nervous clip, because I think that's really genuine yeah. to it, too. You know what I mean? Like, where it's like, how do I phrase this? Like, how do I get it? Where, you know, it, mm. it's really important. I think it's really, it's good. Because this lifestyle, it's different for a lot of different people. I mean, I don't, I hate when I see this in groups where people are like, you know, what's this lifestyle like traveling with a two-year-old, let's say? And, you know, I have four kids. They're all grown. I don't think I'd ever jump into that. And I sometimes hear people jump in and be like, I never would have done that with a toddler. And it's like, wait, stop. You, you can't comment. You didn't, you didn't do it with a toddler. You have no position. You have no idea how great it is. And then the people that I talked to yesterday or the day before that had a four and a six-year-old, they were talking about kids digging holes and climbing trees. And I was really like, yeah. when is the last time you heard about kids digging holes and climbing trees? Like yeah, 1978? Yeah. Isn't that when that stopped? Yeah. Like yeah. Atari came out and all kids stopped playing outside. So it's really, it, 
it's really yeah. cool. I've had a few um, moms who were thinking about going full time um, reach out to me and I kind of, you know, encourage them and say, you know, it's pretty much the same as if you're living in a house. I mean, their development doesn't stop or start or whatever if you're in an RV, you know, it just continues as it normally would. So it sometimes it's a little harder in an RV, but not really. I mean, just if you have kids, you just got to kind of laugh at the chaos, no matter where you are, you know, because it's always a little crazy. Yeah, I, I think back to my life when, you know, when I just gotten married and just had my first kid, we lived in a really small studio kind of apartment. That's probably as small as an RV, but we didn't have the luxury of actually changing locations and you know, being out in the woods, it was, you know, we lived with another 200 families in a small little complex in Los Angeles, you know, it, it's mm -hmm. not, you can live in small spaces for sure. You know, real mm -hmm. quick, going back to Jason on working, one of the things I like to ask, especially when people that are working for others, um, your boss is probably never going to hear this, so you can be honest. <laughs> <laughs> do you consider yourself a better employee or a worse employee in this lifestyle? Uh, how do you, how do you see yourself? That's a good question. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll make sure that he doesn't hear this then. <laughs> um, man, that's a tough question. I, I would say probably better. And I've actually talked to him about this the last time we talked. I think it would be better because when I do step away from my computer, I step away, you know, into the Rocky Mountains. Or I step away, you know, on my lunch break, I'm grabbing my fishing pole and going, you know, doing some surf fishing or something like that. So um, I think it makes me a little more appreciative. But also, you know, I, I know that they know that I'm doing this remotely. So I want to, I, I want to hold myself to high standards as far as um, doing that. Does, does that kind of answer your question? Is that what you're? Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things I'm looking at just because uh, when I started this lifestyle, I was working for someone else and I, and I got some weird pushback. I mean, I took the job telling them I was going to move from California to Texas and that was the honest truth. And then in my first year of working for them, I said, why Texas? Why not get on the road? And, you know, there was some, you know, it's like you're on vacation, you know, kind of comments yeah. and it's like, yeah, yeah. So, so everyone that lives in Hawaii is on vacation too. Um, yeah. It was that kind of stuff. But I think what I found for myself was my previous job, I had about an hour commute one way. And I think by the time I got to work, I was pretty burnt. And my, yeah. my, when I had this job, I worked from my home, but there was still all the distractions of, you know, just the things that you do, they don't realize kind of distract you. And when you're in this lifestyle, I don't think you have a lot of those distractions. So I feel like you're a lot more focused. At least that's what I'm kind of finding out. So the, the idea of like what you just said, a lunch break, I really tried hard with my previous employer if I could have a two hour break in the middle of the day where I didn't have to worry about them messaging me where I like, let me work mm -hmm. seven to 11 and I'll come back one to six or whatever and use those two hours to kayak or do something. And when they were kind of okay with it, I just was a better employee, I felt like, because I was re-energized. I wasn't so, mm -hmm. there's only so much time you can look at a computer screen in a day, mm -hmm. you know? And, Definitely. Yeah, so that's why I always ask the question. And so far, I feel like the, the kind of the honest answer is they're, they're better employees because of, especially if they, you know, for you, you sound like you worked remotely from your home. When it's someone that works in an office and there's all that, you know, just the, little water cooler chit chat and the traffic and the parking and where do you want to go to lunch? I don't know. Where do you want to go to lunch? There's so much time wasted that you just don't have in this RV lifestyle, mm -hmm. you know? 
So it's just interesting. There's like a side project I keep thinking about because I I want employers to think of this as a lifestyle for their employees, especially their remote employees. Like really, what's the difference? Like you said, if you're in a home office in Houston, outside of Houston, or if you're on the road, as long as you're there for your hours, what does it really matter? You know, you just probably have a better, happier employer. Like you said, you walk outside, you're at the Rockies. Who gets to enjoy that? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like you get more to live a more filled life not to say that people in homes don't do that but when Jason goes to take a break or if he just needs to take a couple minutes to just step away for a second I mean in this really beautiful you know tropical place today and he gets re-energized by that you know and then you know another week he's in the rocky mountains and i think that gives him a new like re-energizing energy i don't know there's something there's something about that that's different than just always you know maybe sitting at the same desk every day doing kind of the same things but he just jason's just never doing that kind of stuff you know well let's talk about the challenge with uh, having a, a toddler and working in close quarters how, how does let's for those that are like oh i'm gonna work but i'm gonna and i have to do video conference calls and i have what's that famous video where that cnn guy is doing you know yeah, from his home yeah. office and the kids walk in and it's like that's amazing it, like it's got to be a little different in an yeah. rv yeah it's it can be challenging but it's just it's just like we were just talking about so like typically my morning starts out i have a, a meeting like that I need to run with about 20 to 30 people. And as long as like we can get him outside and he's out like engaged doing things outdoors, um, it's completely okay. It's just those moments, those times when it's like raining and everybody's stuck in the RV for several days um, that can be kind of challenging. But it's it was challenging, you know, when we had a house and we had a baby, you know what I mean? Because you can hear a, a baby screaming pretty much from anywhere inside the house. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, and I don't know. It's, it's, it can be challenging just like it can be challenging in a house, but it's one of those things that you just find a way to overcome it and, and you just start like kind of developing a process around it. And then it's just normal life. It's just part of what we do. I do like that you're bringing back that point that it's a lot of the problems that you have in an RV, you have in a bricks and sticks too. It's not, right. there are some different ones and there's some ones you never have. So it's good. But I think it's a good transition to, you know, if you could do anything different than what's happened over like the last almost in a year, what would you do differently? Do you think? I think it's taken me a long time to, to calm down. So like one of the, you know, there's like a whole story of why we did this and like, you know, the suburbia wasn't really like fulfilling us well. And we were having some side effects around like the hustle and bustle of sort of maintaining suburbia. Um, So it took me a long time to kind of relax um, and to just enjoy the process, but also like, you know, a, a completely honest answer is it's, it's been tough for me to transition from like a nice house to living in an, in an RV and like kind of dealing with societal preconceptions about what that means. You know what I mean? So like yeah. I, we had this like running joke in the beginning where I was like talking about how we were homeless. You know, obviously we're not and we did this for fun, but it's one of those things where it's, it's, it's tough to get over that. It's tough to be like, we live in an RV. We don't live in a house anymore. I don't know. Holly, Holly, what do you think? Well, for me, this was kind of an easy transition to move from a house to an RV. I mean, in a way, I I really like doing new things and exciting things. I don't know. I just, I took this new lifestyle and I just ran with it. 
I was really excited about it. It wasn't big of a transition to me. I wasn't really worried as much about what people would think about me living in an RV. Like when somebody asked me at the store why I'm in the area, I just tell them. I live in an RV and we travel the United States. Like, I don't, I don't care, you know, like to me, I know what it is. I, I love what we're doing. So I always try to find a way to tell people what we're doing to maybe encourage them. Not even, not, not really about moving into an RV and doing what we're doing, but maybe if there's something in their life that they're needing some encouragement, like look at us, <laughs> we moved our little family into an RV with a toddler and a dog. And we drive all around the United States and maybe that'll encourage them in another place in their life for something else. What was your family like? Was everyone like excited? How did that go down when you tell them, you know, we're getting rid of our really nice house. We're going to move into a class C and travel the country. So, I mean, I think we ask people this too. And uh, it's kind of like a, they don't, they're not really, they weren't really a big, a big fan of it. They are now I think I know for sure two of the parents are my mom is like super excited about it but at the beginning when we brought it up everybody thought we were crazy and uh, (laughs) they were like we Jack's not gonna have a real childhood and you know he needs stability I think that was mostly what people were worried about was what is Jack gonna do with this life this might be fun for you guys as adults but what about Jack it's almost like a good children's book right there. What about Jack? I know. I feel yeah. like that, that there is like this like, like kid anchor thing where it's like you, you have to stay in a bricks and sticks when you have a kid and you can't go yeah. out. And I, I think I've said it on the show that I, not that I was anti-homeschool and not that, you know, at two years old, you're being homeschooled, but I was yeah. kind of anti-homeschool coming from Los Angeles. But since I've been on the road and met some of these road schooled kids and the adventure they're having and you know, when they're learning about history, they're actually in the areas that they're learning about history. I'm like, wow, this is a really cool way of doing it. And I don't know, but I don't really remember anything before five or six anyway. So it's not like I went through Europe at two. I don't remember any of that Europe trip. It doesn't count. (laughs) We were actually the other day, um, me and Jack were walking around in the nature center that's here. And, you know, it's just stuff that he just never would have seen if he would have just, I don't know how long it would have taken for him to see the stuff that he's seeing now like we were looking at big sea turtle shells and all the little creatures that live in the sea and all the little lizards and you know alligators and all that just stuff he would have seen later in life but he's seeing it now and he's learning that stuff right now yeah and we talk about you know as parents that the first five years are so important you know and to have all that kind of you know just be stimulated with all this stuff that probably the average kid's not so it'll be really it'll be interesting that i think it's i think it's a good thing and i'm glad you guys are putting the message out there and talking about it because you know as i see people with newborns doing it and you know toddlers Mm -hmm. i'm like that's awesome because there are other people that want to do it and they probably think they can't and i think it is funny that most family do think you're crazy Yeah, they kind of start out with this, like, you guys are kind of crazy, like, trying to talk us out of it, like, don't, please don't do that, that's crazy, and then once they see it now, like, Jason's dad's like, I'm gonna do it, and my mom's like, I'm gonna do it too, we know, (laughs) come on, like, yeah, it's funny that, it's funny that it's it's accepted as, like, a retirement lifestyle, yeah, Uh which, I, you know, I'm, I'm, 
I'll be 50 next year, 2021. And for me, I don't know if I'd want to do this at 70 or 75, not to say that I wouldn't, Mm -hmm. but it's a lot. It's a lot of work. And, you know, Jason, going back to what you're talking about too, for me, I lived in big cities my entire life. I didn't, I didn't really feel any of that kind of, let's say, anxiety until I left the big city that I didn't realize how much I was dealing with that I wasn't even realizing Mm -hmm. because not being in traffic, not looking for parking, not doing all these things you have to do, just really, I I got my oil changed the other day here. I'm in Texas right now and I walk in, he's like, I got a bay ready. And I'm like, I expected to be there for two and a half hours. (laughs) <laughs> I was in and out of there in like 16 minutes. I couldn't believe it. I was like, this is, it's just weird that those things you just didn't realize when you, that's all you've ever known. And when you come out of mm-hmm. it, it was interesting that you guys were already kind of feeling that and wanting to get out, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like that you guys don't have a lot of experience beforehand. I, that's a little bit of a theme too, which is very mm-hmm. interesting to me, even in my own personal life. I have no RV experience before going full time. I'm noticing Mm -hmm. that is kind of a trend with people that I'm talking to, which I like. It's not like they were weekend campers and then decided, let's do this. So that's, if anyone's sitting out there saying, well, I've never done it before. Lots of us have never done it before. Don't let that be a stumbling block. Mm -hmm. So I I usually like to end the show with a a high and a low. We'll we'll start with the low. Um, What's been the biggest kind of low uh, uh, since you've been on the road? I would say probably... So like we use a lot of uh, social media to help us to, to kind of guide us in making the decision. Um, and a lot of times social media just, it can portray it as like every day is this amazing adventure. And I kind of think maybe that's what we thought it would be in the beginning. And I, I would say a little for me is probably, you know, there's some, some parts where there's not much to do. You know, there's, it's not always just full of excitement. Um, it's not, I don't know, maybe we could restart that. I don't really know where I was going with that. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. just, I don't, it's hard to pick a low and I, I can surely give you a high, but it's hard to, it's hard to pick a low. Holly, do you want to, do you want to try? So a low, I think would be that this lifestyle is kind of portrayed as adventure every day, 24 seven, you're always adventuring. And then people put a standard or like an expectation on this lifestyle that you're supposed to be doing that and I was talking to somebody at their last campground and he was saying that people usually full-time for about three years and then they're done or um, I've heard of people doing it a lot less because they go in with this expectation that you're supposed to be doing that and then you just get burnt out because you're just doing that, doing that, doing that. And then, and then you just, like I said, get burned out and then you just sell everything and you're like, well, I failed at that lifestyle. So I think in Tucson, like a month or so ago, we were kind of experiencing that. And then we had to kind of think about that and, you know, reevaluate, you know, this is a lifestyle. This is our life. We're living life on the road. So it's okay to have those down periods where you're not really doing that much and maybe you're not adventuring every day all the time um so I think that was kind of um a hard thing for us to grasp at the beginning um that was like kind of a a low a low period I think for us yeah I can see that I can see yeah no it does if you're if you're looking at you know people's lives let's say just through social media and you're looking at other people then you can't think that because there's days, you guys, I'll be honest, uh, you know, maybe 25 steps, 
in a day yeah, yeah. When, I, when I look <laughs> at my right? phone and it's like uh-huh. and I think everyone thinks I'm outside of my rig every single day doing stuff and there is a uh-huh. big like no it's really no different than bricks and sticks there's weekends where I would go you know what actually let me be really honest I didn't do a lot of hiking and kayaking when I lived in California I just didn't mm-hmm. and I do a lot more now and not just for the gram like I'm not just taking that hike to post <laughs> yeah, a photo yeah. you know it's 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 uh-huh. about the adventure um, I mean, so. even if, even if you're like, oh, I've talked to Jason about this, even if you're doing it for Instagram, I think sometimes Instagram kind of pushes you outside, even if you're like, ah, I'm not so like going outside, it kind of pushes you outside, even if you're going to go to get a picture, sometimes that little picture moment will turn into something more like a walk on the beach, or it kind of helps you get outside. I agree with that. The The reverse yeah. side of it, I saw at Lone Rock, Utah, where people literally would drive in, get out of the car, take a picture of the Lone Rock in the middle of the river, get back in their car and leave. Yeah, yeah. And so that was just for the photo, you know what I mean? So within Uh hikes and adventures, I totally get it. Well, I gotta get to the top of Angel's Landing. I need this photo. But that that side of it where I'm like, you weren't even here, but for two minutes, you didn't even sit and look at the rock or enjoy it or (laughs) walk around. You did that all for the gram. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But that's, I mean, that's actually a really good low. I think people need to understand that they're probably going to set unrealistic expectations for themselves in this lifestyle. And yes, Mm. there is probably a lot more adventuring than you normally would do and sightseeing and things of that nature. But there are days that are just like every other day when you have a bricks and sticks. So I think it's actually a really good low. But like I have said on this show before, there's first world problems and then there's RV first world problems. It is a little different. And so our lows sometimes can be, a lot of lows are flat tires, you know, that that's what people say. That's your low. That's not a bad low. Let's get into the high then. What's um, something you guys think was just really like the, I can't believe this is our life kind of moment. Uh, That's an easy one. That was Colorado. A hundred percent. I've been there a bunch of kids uh, times when I was a kid for skiing. Being able to be there, like live there during the summer and basically, you know, see things that I thought I would never be able to see. Um, We have a Jeep Wrangler and we took it on some real sketchy trails in Colorado. That was for sure a high. Like so many times I would look over at Holly and be like, what are we doing? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like this is unbelievable that we get to do this every weekend. And, you know, we were staying right next to a national forest. So I would go like on a run in the national forest before work just those kind of moments where you just kind of stop and look around and you're like geez like this is this is really awesome That's yeah and really cool. not even just not even just the Colorado thing but you know uh, one of the parks in Tucson we were living in the park they had a uh, observatory we would just walk over there and see the stars and go through that whole thing and then come back and we're like what is going on you know and then in Utah we were right next to our park was like 20 minutes from Zion and you know some people wait such a long time to do that stuff um they plan that stuff out for years to fly here and see this and fly here and see this but we just within this last year um we've seen so many things that you know so many people plan on seeing yeah I also think too one of the things that as full-timers when you let's say you go on a vacation, let's say you go to Zion, and that's in your mind. We're going to Zion. We're going to do all the Zion stuff. There isn't that like where you got to go back and unpack, and you almost need a vacation from your vacation when yeah. you're full timing, because you know what I mean. It's uh-huh. just that's your life. There isn't all that stress of 
okay, guys, we're going this weekend. We got to make sure we have everything. Well, no matter where we're going, we have everything. There isn't. Yeah. <laughs> and when we leave, we don't have to spend the hours making sure we have everything again. And it's it's an interesting side effect of these kind of trips that doesn't take away from, doesn't make it exhausting the way the weekend trips used to be for me. So yeah. It's interesting. Yeah, well, definitely. I want to make sure people know where they can find it. It sounds like you guys have been open to questions and comments in regards to, you know, traveling, whether it's Class C or whether it's with a, a five-year-old dog or a two-year-old son and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I, know we mentioned, <laughs> I know we mentioned it a little earlier where uh, you guys are at, but let's just put it here and I'll put the notes below. So where can people find you on Instagram and YouTube? Okay. So our Instagram is the marvelous miners. And minor is with an E-R, not an O-R. <laughs> Everybody asks us that. <laughs> and then we're going to start a YouTube channel. So that hasn't started yet, but it's going to be the exact same thing, The Marvelous Miners. So. Nice. Well, I appreciate you guys taking the time to hang out with me today and answer some of these questions and tell your story. It was a lot of fun for me. Yeah. No yeah thanks. Thanks, thanks for having us. <laughs> you bet. All right, so another fun episode, and hopefully if you are someone that has a dog that you love more than your child, and you want to live in and travel in a Class C, you feel a little bit more ease that you too can do it. <laughs> I'm totally kidding, Jason and Holly, I had a great time talking to you guys. Before you hit stop on this podcast, please take a moment and leave a review and write a comment. It would be amazing if you could share this podcast on Facebook or Instagram and tag us in using the hashtag Rootless Living. If you think you know someone that would make a good guest or that guest might even be you, please send us an email at podcast at rootlessliving.com and let's see if we can help tell your story. Until next week, stay rootless.